You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. On January 6, 1994, the country gasped collectively as news broke that Olympic figure skater Nancy Kerrigan had been attacked just weeks before the Winter Olympics in Lillehammer, Norway. The attack happened at Cobo Hall right here in Detroit during a practice session for the U.S. Nationals, which is one of the qualifying events for the Olympics. There weren't many people there during the practice when it happened, but one WDET reporter did happen to be there waiting for an interview with professional figure skater Brian Boitano. Here is Don Gagne recounting the scene that night on NPR's All Things Considered. NPR's Don Gagne was at Cobo Hall this afternoon, joins us now. Don, first of all, how serious is the injury to Nancy Kerrigan, do you think? The first thing the doctor told us is that there is no fracture, uh, but she was hit directly on the kneecap uh, with this blunt object. Uh, some have described it as a tire iron, others as a crowbar. Uh, so the kneecap itself is bruised. Uh, there is an abrasion there, uh, and, and some of the muscles in, in the region there uh, around her knee are, uh, are black and blue. There's some swelling. And they say that uh, they cannot decide at this point, or they can't say at this point, if she'll be able to uh, skate uh, Starting tomorrow, which is when the technical uh, uh, portion of the competition was scheduled, they can't say if she'll be ready to skate uh, yet or not. They're taking it uh, on an hour-by-hour -hour basis. But there is no fracture at this point, they say. That was NPR's Don Gagne, uh, 1994, who was a WDET reporter reporting from Cobo Hall after Nancy Kerrigan had been hit in the knee. And joining us now is Don Gagne uh, to talk about that scene and that incident and sort of the cultural phenomenon that has grown up around it over the last 24 years. Don, welcome to Detroit uh, Today. <laughs> Good morning. It is so crazy to hear that 24 <laughs> years later. And you know something? <laughs> I was ready to be embarrassed, uh, but uh, it sounded like a pretty solid police say, reporter there. No, it was great. <laughs> you hit all the all the important points. And Tire iron, crowbar, right. kneecap, right. <laughs> no bruising, exactly. <laughs> no what broken else, bones. <laughs> what else did you need to put into that report? So I, one of the things I love about, and, and this is, this is, I'm going to try not to be too flip here, but uh, yes. but the tire iron, crowbar, I mean, there's something very Detroit about the whole idea of kneecapping somebody, and I feel, I feel like <laughs> this couldn't have happened anywhere else, even though well, it didn't have anything to do with us. Yes. Uh, well, and the, you know, the other thing, too, is in... In, in, in kind of the bowels of Cobo Hall and <laughs> right. Cobo Arena, not not, and this is not the modern convention center Cobo no, Hall. This that's is right. this is you know like under the stands of the old Cobo Hall where they'd wedged a press room, yeah. and this was also it's worth reminding people I think that uh, this was pre cell phone. So I, I I raced out of there and found the payphone pay that's, oh. that's near the entrance, <laughs> and I commandeered it and didn't let anybody else near it. <laughs> until I heard Noah Adams' voice talking to me on the other end. Oh, that's so um, funny. That's a great. That's a great journalism story, right? The idea exactly. of rushing to the payphone to file your report. Uh, tell us. Tell us about the scene when this happened. Why, what were you doing at Kobo uh, at the time when this happened? And where? Where? Where was she? And where were? 
the people the the people who were in the press who were who were around. So Kobo, of course, was one of those you know multi-purpose facilities, right? The uh, you know I I remember seeing rock and roll concerts yes. there, yes. and uh, uh, you had I saw the Detroit Pistons there. I right. saw Bob Linear take on uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who wow. might have still been Lou Alcindor then. I'm not sure. <laughs> you know, uh, way back when, but but they could also put ice on the floor and they had a practice skating area set up now when the, when the skaters were out there you know going through their practices we couldn't just you know sit in the stands and watch there were certain times it was open but mostly it was closed and this was a time when it was closed so i was underneath the stands kind of and there was a press area set up with a bunch of tables and a bunch of old landline phones you know uh, uh, on on the tables and NPR had a reserve spot. And Brian Boitano, who won the Olympic gold medal, the men's Olympic gold medal right. in, in figure skating in 1988, had gone pro. But he had, he had started this crusade to allow skaters, athletes who'd gone pro, to reclaim their amateur status and come back and compete in the Olympics. And yeah. it's the reason why we had the Dream Team and, and all of those things, right? They, yes. they changed the rules. So he was making a comeback, and he was potentially one of the favorites in 1994. So NPR called up their guy in Detroit and said, what do you know about ice skating? Uh, so I went off to interview uh, Brian Boitano. And when I was waiting for him, literally, I was waiting for him to come through the door for our interview, uh, all hell broke loose. Uh, I will tell you, I heard, I heard commotion. I heard screaming. I did not witness the attack. That's right. important. I didn't witness the attack. Um, I, I heard screaming. Uh, there was so much. I, I confess, I don't know if I heard Nancy Kerrigan uh, or if I just heard the, the reaction, kind of, you know, from others who are around there. Yeah. I, I, I can't say for sure, but uh, pandemonium broke yeah. out Is that and right? yeah. it was you know i was the, I, i'd done my homework on brian boitano i i had no idea who tanya harding was that right? at that point but one of one of my editors when i called washington to say hey something's going on here <laughs> and when i had just minimal details uh one of them reacted they go hmm i wonder if tanya harding's got anything to do nah, with this. so they knew they knew who it was <laughs> they knew they knew the rivalry they knew uh, and obviously the story got very complicated after yeah. that that no, it didn't. but but I followed it and then that weekend I went to the uh, you know I went to the US uh, championships and that's where uh, Harding secured her slot slot on the Olympic team yes. I recall her skating to the theme from Jurassic Park oh, which, wow. which is one of those things you'd think they just kind of made it up after the fact but <laughs> there it is <laughs> and, um, happened, huh? and 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 the other thing it was the first time I saw this just this slip of a skater who was like 13 or 14 years old at the time a young you know girl at the time named michelle kwan oh wow wow who made the team in nancy kerrigan's place because because nancy kerrigan was kerrigan was uh, not certain to be able to compete to at be that able point. to do it yeah so it was the first time she landed on my radar and uh, you know every time she you know uh won some international competition or or, or formed <laughs> at the olympics i i always kind of flashed back to that first moment of of seeing this nervous kid wow. you know who was also part of this story yeah uh you know it, it seems this became a huge huge national story and has survived for 24 years. I mean, the, the movie I, Tanya just came out a few weeks ago uh, telling, you know, the, uh, another version of this story. But it, it, it seems like this was a different 
world that, that this happened in than it happened now. And and I'm really curious what you think about whether a story like this could take off today the way it did then. Would it be bigger because of the, the, the ready availability of media and social media? Or would it be smaller because people have so many other things that uh, catch their attention? Yeah, I have not I have not pondered this. It 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 feels like it would uh it it would just explode instantly, right? By the time I got on All Things Considered that night with, you know, talking to Noah Adams there, uh I, I think I was, I'm certain I was breaking the news yeah. to most of our audience. And in today's world, everybody would have that known every, be the case, right. every detail already. But but what I wonder is if it would have been a crazy story that was like gone in three days right. and replaced by the next crazy story or the next, you know, uh, I don't know, presidential tweet or whatever, you know, whatever it happens to be. Um, that, that, the, the, the staying power power of this story yeah. and and the the mystique that has kind of grown up around it and in its characters really is quite remarkable I, I i i joke with friends that you know i uh i covered the auto industry and i covered labor unions <laughs> and i covered jack of and i was very proud of all that work in mm-hmm, detroit and mm-hmm. then i covered the bush white house and the obama campaign and 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 the trump campaign my legacy is gonna be that i covered <laughs> i was Harding there when Kerrigan, right? <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we're all known for things that maybe we wouldn't pick as the as the thing as the headline, right? This uh, one impresses my kids, dog. <laughs> That's right. Uh, have, have you seen the movie, Itania? I did. I saw it. Uh, I, boy, I, you know, I saw it like the day it came out. I think. So now, what did you think uh, in terms of the fidelity to? The story and the characters. I, I'll, I'll say first that I really liked it. I liked the the I liked its style, and uh, you know, I I I, I thought the, uh, the 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 actors uh, portraying these real life characters were fantastic, especially Allison Janney. I just thought she was stunning. She's now, great in everything. And right? I, I never saw Tanya Harding's mother, so I didn't have anything to compare her to. So so I really really did like the muse the movie and its kind of dark. A comic, you know, tone. Yeah, but there were moments where I thought, "Hmm, I, <laughs> that's not what happened." <laughs> I think they're leaving something out here, uh, or you know, and then and then of course some of it is. Uh, Mm, that doesn't look like Cobo Hall. That right. doesn't look like Detroit. Where did all those uh, tall pine trees come from right. outside the door? You know, right. uh, but 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 I, I I liked it. It's clearly you know it clearly has a point of view, and it's clearly you know sympathetic toward to toward Harding, Tanya right? Harding yeah. toward Harding. Um, and, and and I doubt it will you know re, re reshape the narrative in massive ways. I don't know. Maybe maybe it will. <laughs> but 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 I but I liked it. But I just took it with a grain of grain of salt. When it ended, when it ended, I did kind of think to myself, "Hmm, was you know?" I feel guilty for every time I've kind of chuckled about this story. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> so there was there was that. Yeah. So. As we chuckle about this right, story. Right, of course. Sorry. Yeah. You have to laugh so you don't cry, right? I think that's it. I think that's it. <laughs> okay. Don Gagne, reporter with NPR, former WDET reporter. As always, great to talk to you. It's a pleasure. Thanks for playing that tape. Absolutely. This is fun. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for me this week. Uh, I will be back next week. I hope you will, too. Detroit Today is produced by Laura Weber Davis and Jake Neer. The program director is Joan Isabella. Our technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevethan. Our associate producers are Gus Navarro and Ziad Butch. Detroit Today's theme song was composed 
by WDET's Sam Bobian. This is WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you next week.